Let's turn our attention this morning to God's word. Ephesians 4.25, as we look at the topic this morning of being kind to one another. Paul says in verse 25, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one body, members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. As we pray this morning, I want to ask you to pray with me about a very important situation. One of our dear young ladies, Ariadna Carrillo, her mother suffered a stroke over the weekend. They live right outside of Mexico City, Mexico. And Ari's been with us several years, and those who know her love her. But her mom is in an induced coma right now. They did surgery early yesterday morning, brain surgery. So she needs our prayers, okay? So would you please unite your heart with me as I voice our prayer to the Lord for his blessings on this time, and particularly for Anna, Ariadna's mother, okay? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you are the perfect father, perfect in the sense that you know what we need even before we ask it. You're our great father. As the word says, even before there's a word on our tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. So Lord, as we voice this prayer to you, you know our hearts today. You know our needs Father, across this congregation, we commit those needs to you. We ask you to move and work in each of our hearts today to convict us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to cleanse us, Lord, to do the work that only you can do. Father, we pray that your word, which is truth, would have its divine impact upon our lives. It will not return void, your scripture promises, but it will accomplish that which you please and prosper where you've sent it. So as your word is preached this morning, Father, may, it's have, may it have its desire, your desired work accomplished in our lives today. Father, we join together to pray for Ari and her father and her mother and her brother, Lord, particularly her mother as she is, uh, Lord, having tremendous physical problems right now. This aneurysm or stroke or whatever, this damage to her brain has uh, caused her to be in a coma. And Lord, we know it is medically induced at the moment. But God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for positive signs of healing, even today, that Ari and her dad and family might be encouraged today, Father. We know you are the God of all flesh. Nothing is too difficult for you. So Lord, we pray for your divine power to be unleashed in this situation in her healing. Father, there are many other needs represented here this morning. 
And God, we pray that you would be meeting those needs. Our greatest need, Father, is to be reminded of how much we need you and that we can come before your throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. Speak to us now, minister to us, encourage us, and Father, send us forth from this place for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, the passage we just read, it, it almost looks like a list of do's and don'ts, doesn't it? You know, don't lie, don't be angry, don't steal, don't use unwholesome words. It's kind of, you know, there are a lot of people who see the Christian life in that manner. That the Christian life is a list of do's and don'ts. As a matter of fact, one Sunday school class of children several years ago, they were studying the commandments of God. And so the teacher would give a situation and she would ask the children, which commandment applies to this situation? So the first situation, Billy is watching TV and his parents call him to dinner. He calls back, no, I'm watching TV. What commandment did he break? The children, honor thy father and thy mother. Teacher, that's right. Molly goes to the store and when no one's looking, Molly slips a piece of candy into her pocket. And so the teacher asks the class, what commandment did Molly break? Oh, you shall not steal. That's correct. Little Johnny, the teacher says, is pulling the tail of his dog and hurting the dog. What commandment's being broken here? Silence. Finally, one little boy raised his hand and said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. <laughs> I like that. But in the wedding season, I thought that. But God does have, here's the deal about commandments. In the Old Testament, God says, do this and live. Do this and live. In the New Testament, God says, because you are alive in Christ, live like this. Look at verse 24. We didn't read this, but he says, put on the new self. And in the like, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Church, that's who we are. We once were not a people, but now we're the people of God. We once had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We are the people of God. In Ephesians 3 verse 10, we've looked at the last few weeks. God is now making himself known. The wisdom of God is being made known to the world through the church through us. So it's important that we know how to relate to one another. As we relate to one another, we are demonstrating to the world the gospel. We're reflecting to the world the gospel, and we're showing the world what God is really like. So it's important that we know how to relate to one another. Here this morning, we are commanded to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Several questions this morning. We're going to go right into the, to the outline. If you got that in your worship guide, number one, what does it mean to be kind to one another? What does it mean to be kind to one another? Well, Jim Phillips has written a book called The One Another Commands, and I, I want to give you his, his definition this morning, which I like. Kindness is the Holy Spirit sharing you with people in need in such a way that those people are immeasurably blessed. You can read that. But I, I like that. The implication here is that we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, which also implies that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are walking in the Spirit. 
See, kindness is very simple. Acts of kindness, as we see this morning, these acts are very simple. They're very simple, and they also kindness is simple, but kindness is not optional. You can say many times, well, that's just, that's not my nature to be kind. Huh. The Spirit of God working in us shares us. Notice that, not doesn't share our wealth necessarily. Sometimes kindness involves sharing our wealth. But when, when the Holy Spirit is sharing you, now there are a lot of people who give money to good causes and who are very supportive of a lot of good things and a lot of good things in this church. But this morning, I want us to see how am I being kind? How would the Holy Spirit use you? What acts and words of kindness would the Holy Spirit be performing in you so that other people might be immeasurably blessed. Immeasurably blessed. Christian kindness involves relationships. One person reaching out to another in the power or the energy of the Holy Spirit. Here's my simple definition. Kindness is building others up and encouraging them through our words and deeds. Kindness is building others up and encouraging through our words and our deeds. Okay? So kindness is not complicated, but kindness is not optional as well. Why should we be kind to one another? Why should we be kind to one another? Well, one lady learned that kindness pays. A lady was at the bus stop in Louisville, Kentucky. She had just cashed her tax refund check. So she had some extra money in her pocket. And as she's standing at the bus stop, she sees a guy over here who's not the typical down-and-out guy, but he was dressed a little shabby, smoking a big cigar. And as she was watching this guy, another man came over to him and handed him some cash and whispered something in her ear. Now, this lady watched that, and she was very impressed. So she was inspired to be kind. So she did the same thing. She took a $10 bill out of her pocket, went over to the man and handed it to him and just whispered, never despair, never despair. She felt real good about herself, got on her bus and rode away. The next day she found herself back at the same bus stop. And as she got waiting on her bus, she noticed the same guy. And surprisingly, this guy walks up to her and hands her a hundred dollar bill. And she said, what is this? said, ma'am, it's your winnings. Never despair. Paid 10 to 1 at Churchill Downs yesterday. (laughs) Hey, it pays to be kind. (laughs) Why should we be kind to one another? Very simply, kindness is commanded by God. Now, what do we call it when God tells us to do something and we don't do it? Sin. 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 Disobedience. God tells us right here, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. And again, there's some out there saying, that's not my nature. It's not, but that's Christ in you. That's the Holy Spirit in you who can do this, okay? But we're commanded, be kind to one another. Jesus commands us to love and be kind. See, being kind is a choice we make. It's not based on our feeling. It's based on the desire to please God, to obey God. We're to be kind and loving because God tells us to. It's a matter of obedience. But can I tell you a secret? Whenever God commands us to do something, 
He always enables us to do it. God will never command us to do something that he will not enable us to do. So how does God allow us to be kind? He puts his Holy Spirit in us. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, let me tell you, there's a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, many of us have different gifts, spiritual gifts. But we all, if you're a Christian, you all have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So the Spirit of God enables you by the fruit of the Spirit, what the fruit produces in us, enables us to be kind to one another. And it's a choice we make to be either obedient or disobedient to the Spirit. Years ago, I learned that, you know, the Holy Spirit works in our life in many ways, but, but the initial promptings of the Spirit, this is when the Spirit prompts us to do something. And you're going to find this week, because you're sitting here in this sanctuary today, because you're hearing this message, that God's going to give you and prompt you to be kind in unusual ways this week. I can promise you that. And so we have a choice either to obey the Spirit or disobey the Spirit. So God enables us to do what he commands us to do. We can be kind as we walk in the Spirit. Even if that's not your nature, you can be kind. So we're kind because we want to obey God. Secondly, we're kind because kindness reflects the gospel. Kindness reflects the gospel. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. We could talk the rest of our lives about the kindness and tolerance and patience of our God. Paul says they are a part of his riches. They're part of his riches because they're part of who God is. God has demonstrated kindness to us. Look at that. The kindness of God leads you to repentance. Now, I know there there are different factors. I'd love to hear everybody's testimony. Some people came to Christ as a result of this, result of that. But basically, it's the kindness of God that draws each of us to repentance. It's his grace in our life. See, kindness is our response to the kindness and grace that God has shown us. Our kindness, the way we treat one another and other people, reflects the gospel to the world. See, there was a time when we were not kind. I don't care if you came to Christ at age six. There was a time in your life when you weren't kind. We all lived for ourselves. We were self-serving, self-pleasing, looking out for ourselves. But see, when a person enters into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, God changes that. Verse 24, look what Paul says, put on the new self. Put on the new self. It's a self that's filled and reflects God's kindness, God's righteousness, God's holiness. Our new self reflects the character of God to the world because that's who we are in Christ. And again, kindness is not complicated, but it's, it's not optional either. A real follower of Christ, their life changes. We don't act like the world anymore. We don't act naturally. We act supernaturally. 
See, God is glorified as we show kindness to others. And here's the key, especially when we are kind to those who don't deserve it. Now, why would that be important? Did we deserve God's kindness? Did we deserve to experience the riches of God's kindness and righteousness and holiness? (laughs) Not by a long shot. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us while we were still enemies, the scripture says. Enemies of God. But yet God demonstrated his love. God has shown his kindness to us. So if we're going to reflect the gospel as kindness does, God's going to enable us to be kind to those who don't deserve it. Now, I can almost assure you this week, (laughs) you will come in contact with someone who needs to see an act of kindness, but they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Kindness flows from our life as we walk in the power of his spirit. Kindness is commanded by God. Kindness reflects the gospel. Kindness pleases God. Look at verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you something about grief. Grief is a love response. Only those who love can truly grieve. So when the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, what does that tell us about God? He loves us. He loves us. When I was growing up down in Evergreen, Alabama, one of the things that kept me out of trouble, well, for the most part, one of the things that kept me out of trouble was a desire not to grieve my mother. I have an older brother. He's four years older than I am. And my brother Eric did a lot of running around when he was in school. I mean, he crawled in the window one night, uh, drunk as Cooter Brown. He loved his beer. And he would come in, and I would hear mother fussing at my brother. I heard her crying herself to sleep many times. I knew that my brother caused my mother tremendous grief. Why? Because my mother loved my brother. She loved him. And I didn't want to cause her that kind of grief because I loved my mother. Grief is a love response. So when the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Paul's reminding us, God loves you. And your sin and my sin breaks his heart. It grieves him when we are unkind. It grieves him when we break his commandments. It grieves him when we're disobedient. It grieves him when we live in rebellion. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because of God's love for us. Our actions will either please the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit. See, his passion for us and his presence in us motivates us to obey. If we could ever just realize how much God loves us, how much kindness God has shown to us, and he wants us to go and do likewise to others. So our kindness toward others is now a reflection of our Father and of his gospel to the world. When we fail to show kindness and concern for others, we're in disobedience and we grieve the heart of God. So number three, how are we to be kind to one another? Kindness is building others up and encouraging them through our words and actions. Look at verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth with each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one, one another. Speak truth. We are to be careful in our conversation. Look at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, 
But only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. How are we kind to one another? We see in this passage several ways. First of all, in the way we talk to one another. The way we talk, we do not lie to one another. Paul says we don't lie to one another. Why? Look at verse 25. For we are members of one another. See, what we've been trying to do for the last eight weeks is to let us see from Scripture how vitally we are connected together. Now, when we lie to one another, we're lying to ourselves. We're lying to the body. Suppose your hand is a liar. And your hand goes in that hot tub and tells your body, hey, this water's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Come on in. And it's scalding hot. I know that's silly, but that's the way the body works. We don't lie to each other. We speak the truth to one another. We speak the truth to one another in love. Why? Because we're one body. What's good for you is good for me. And we're going to be honest with each other. Verse 29 says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word is good for edification. What's unwholesome mean? It means rotten. Rotten. Worthless. Words that come out of our mouth. Church, sometimes we say things like this to one another. Hey, did your mama ever wash your mouth that was soap? Mine never did. She threatened several times. But to me, that's the best picture of what we're talking about in verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Rotten, worthless words. You know, there are some adults who have filthy mouths. And they call themselves Christians. Hey, you don't need to be talking like that and we don't need to hear it. We show kindness to others by making sure our conversations are uplifting to one another. Our conversations give grace to one another. Some believers need to lose their potty mouth and have their tongues redeemed for good. Do your stories, your words, your comments give grace to those who hear? We show kindness to one another by the things we say, sometimes by the things we don't say. And there are a lot of things that are best left unsaid, are they not? So we show kindness in our conversations. Secondly, we are controlled in our reactions. Look at verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. There are a lot of people who express unkindness to others through their anger. I had a friend who worked here in the Bryant Hall and he went on and got a doctorate degree and went on to Dallas, Texas and he worked at the Minerth Meyer Clinic out there, a Christian clinic there. But they came up at Minerth Meyer with a term years ago called rageaholics. Rageaholics. You know, we hear about road rage, but that's not the only place where rage takes place. See, there are people in our society today who cannot control their reactions. There are people in our day today who cannot control their anger. As a matter of fact, the deeds of the flesh that Paul mentions in Galatians 5, one of them is outbursts of anger. This should not be a part of a Christian's life. If we're going to walk in the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, we show kindness by the way we control our reactions. 
Cruelty. There's some things that ought to make us angry. We know that, don't we? Cruelty and injustice ought to make us angry. We ought to be upset about sex trafficking and child abuse around the world. But the problem is many times we get angry about the wrong things. The things that most often make us angry are the things that affect us. But we cannot be kind to others when we're reacting in anger. When we react in anger, Paul says we're giving the devil an opportunity. Look at that. Do not give the devil an opportunity. What we're saying is, devil, you come into my family. My family, the atmosphere there is one of anger. Devil, you come into my work. You come into my personal life. You come into my recreational life. Man, I tell you, one of the most dangerous places in the world to be is at a church softball game sometimes. People get angry at church softball games. And it ought not to be. This is how we demonstrate kindness. We control. Here's what I tell couples many times when they're fussing. Learn how to respond rather than react. And there's a big difference. We react just like that. We say things we don't mean. But when we respond, we think through. We think about our words. What I'm saying is it going to give grace to those who hear. We're going to show kindness in our conversation, in our reactions. We demonstrate kindness. Listen to this, verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. See, the way we do our job, we show character. We express kindness by the way, the character we show in our vocation. The way we do our job speaks volumes about who we are And listen, as a Christian, we're speaking about who God is, the way you do your work. Paul tells us not to steal, but to work hard, to get a good job, work with your hands so that you can educate your children, so that you can live in a nice house and drive a nice car. That's why we're to work, not steal. Is that what it says? No. Good night. That's what we do, isn't it? That's why we work. So we can educate our children and live in a nice house and drive a nice car. Nothing wrong with those things. But Paul says, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. That's kind, isn't it? When we take what we have and share it with someone else, how can we do that? Because God's given us the health and the mentality to have a job. God's blessed us with the ability to work. You know, there, there are some people here who say, you know, yeah, I tell lies every now and then, a little white lie, and I do get angry every now and then, but I'm not no thief. I don't steal anything. Let me tell you something. In America today, $16 million a day in employee theft here in the United States. Every day, $16 million a day being stolen from the workplace. Paper clips, pencils, envelopes. I think one of the best, biggest thefts is we're not doing a day's work for a day's pay. We sit there and we do our thing, getting paid to do a job. I'm no thief. Paul says we work. We, do, we work with our hands, an honest day's labor. For an honest day's pay, so we'll have something to share with other people. But think about $16 million a day. Someone said that if everybody got honest in the workplace, 
It would cut retail prices by one-fourth, 25%. Our prices would go down by 25%. Let me ask, does this apply to you? Do you feel like you're entitled to take things from your employer? Students, have you ever cheated on an exam? Anybody, have you ever presented false information on your tax return? And let me ask you something. Have you ever stolen from God? Steal from God? What are you talking about? Malachi 3 says, will a man rob God? He says, yes, by withholding your tithes and offerings. And see, the gospel changes everything about us. The gospel changes our heart. We have a new self. Here's the deal. Instead of plotting to steal from others, we are now working to share with others. You see the difference? Instead of plotting how we can steal from other people, we're working to share with others. That's the power of the gospel. We want to work and we want to provide for our family, but we want to do that so we can share with those who are in need. That's kindness. We're kind to one another by being careful in our conversations, controlled in our reactions, showing character in our vocation. And finally, we continually seek restoration. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Forgiveness is a heartfelt act of kindness and a powerful reflection of the gospel. Forgiveness is a heartfelt act of kindness and a powerful reflection of the gospel. Look at verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. It's almost like Paul is doing open heart surgery on the hearts of those who don't want to forgive. You know, I've had people in 30-something years of ministry who said, I don't want to forgive. I will not forgive. That's that's what our heart looks like when we don't forgive. I'm not going to go in great detail about each one, but let me just say they're all ugly. They're all ugly. Resentment and bitterness are the very opposite of being tenderhearted and kind. Scripture makes it very clear in other places that we forgive because we've been forgiven. Forgiveness is tough. Isn't it? I've said it's the hardest thing that God asks us to do is to forgive someone who's hurt us. You know what's harder than forgiving someone who's hurt us? The only thing harder than that is forgiving someone who's hurt someone we love. Well, now that's tough. But we forgive because God has forgiven us. And forgiveness is an act of the heart. An act of the heart, a tender act of the heart of kindness. And it reflects the gospel to the world. So as we finish, what happens when we are kind to one another? Kindness, your random acts of kindness are like scattering the seeds of the gospel. When we go out here in just a few minutes, this week, where you work, where you, where you live, in your neighborhood, with your friends, the acts of kindness that you, are, you will do are like show, or sowing seeds of the gospel. Steve Sogren's book, Conspiracy of Kindness, said this. He said, for most people, doing evangelism is like going to the dentist. No one really enjoys it, but it must be done every once in a while. 
But he says anyone can do simple acts of kindness. People don't necessarily remember what they are told of God's love, but they never forget what they have experienced of God's love. They never forget what they have experienced of God's love. And that's what kindness does. Our acts of kindness enable others to experience God's love. That's what happens when we're kind. Let me tell you, church, right where we are today, we are living in some very tense times in our country right now. We are living in some very tense times right now. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of pointing fingers in our country right now. How can God use you this week to show his love to somebody that needs to see and hear? Someone who needs to know the true God. See, there there are those today who are committing acts of terrorism in the name of their God. They're committing acts of terrorism in the name of their God. We need to show the world that the God of the Bible is a God of truth, a God of love, a God of mercy, and a God of kindness. The world has got to see it, and it starts with us. Your simple acts of kindness may be what God uses to reveal himself to some hard-hearted soul today, this week, at work. It may be that your act of kindness, undeserved, would melt that heart and prepare a way for the gospel. Let me tell you a story, a true story, and I'll be done. I saw this several years ago, and there are hundreds like this, but this one really hit me. It was written by a guy from Denver, Colorado. He was a hospice physician, and this is what he said. I was driving home from a meeting this evening about 5 o'clock, stuck in the traffic on Colorado Boulevard. My car started to choke and sputter and die. I barely managed to coast into a gas station, glad only that I wouldn't be blocking traffic and would have a somewhat warm place to wait for the tow truck. The engine wouldn't even turn over when I got in the parking lot. Before I could make a call, I saw a woman coming out of the quickie mart, and it looked like she slipped on some ice and she fell into a gas pump, so I got out to see if this woman was okay. When I got there, it looked more like she'd been overcome by sobs than she had fallen. She was a young woman who looked really haggard with dark circles under her eyes. She dropped something as I helped her up, and I picked it up to give it back to her. It was a nickel. At that moment, everything came into focus for me. The crying woman, the old suburban she was driving, crammed full of stuff and three kids in the back, and the gas pump reading $4.95. I asked her if she could... If she needed any help, but all she could say was, I don't want to see my, I don't want my kids to see me cry. So we stood for a moment on the other side of the pumps. Finally, she calmed down and said she was driving to California and that things were very bad right now. All she knew to do was pray. But as she prayed, things had not gotten any better. The writer says, I assured her that God had heard her prayers and that's why I was there. I'm here to help. I took my credit card and filled up her car completely. While they were waiting, I went next door to McDonald's and bought two big bags of food and some gift certificates for more and a big cup of coffee. She gave the food to the kids who attacked it like wolves, and we stood by the pump eating fries and talking. 
She told me her name and that she lived in Kansas City. Her husband had left her two months ago, and she'd not been able to make ends meet. She knew she wouldn't have any money to pay the rent next month, and in desperation had finally called her parents in California and asked if she could come stay with them until she got her feet back on the ground. She had packed up everything she owned and headed west. She had just spent her last $5. Before I left her, I gave her my gloves, a little hug, and a quick prayer and for her safety on the road. As I was walking to my car, she said, and this is why I tell you the story. As I was walking to my car, she said, sir, so, so are you like an angel or something? I said, no, ma'am. Sometimes angels are really busy. So God has to use regular people. And of course, you guessed it. When I got my car, it started and got me home okay. Now, I tell that story. Like I said, there are hundreds of them like it. Now, I'm not so sure about this guy's theology of angels. <laughs> but the point of the story is this. God uses regular people. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. Why? in obedience to his command, to reflect the gospel to the world. Now more than ever, the world needs to see who Christ is and what Christ is all about. We can proclaim Christ on our t-shirts and social media, media, on our bumper stickers, but the world needs to see Christ through our words and our actions this week. Words and actions from a tender heart filled with kindness. The Lord will give you an opportunity this week to show others his glory through your kindness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being kind toward us.